You're listening to the Million Praying Moms podcast, where we believe every mom is uniquely designed by God for his purpose, but also a part of something much bigger than she could ever be alone. Authors and moms, Erin Mooring and Brooke McLaughlin. Hey, that's us. Hey, it is. We're going to help you make prayer your first and best response to the challenges of parenting. Listen in on real life conversations with the experts about real issues parents face today and learn practical ways to focus on Christ as you seek wisdom and hope for the difficult job of raising children in today's world. If you're ready to handle life with grace because you've been in the presence of God, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, teachers, writers, speakers, moms, and lovers of all things cozy, comfortable, and coffee-related, Brooke and Erin. Hey there, friends. You're listening to episode number six of the Million Praying Moms podcast, where each week we're talking about the real issues Christian parents face today. If you haven't already, we would so appreciate your support in leaving a review of our show on iTunes. These help other people find the Million Praying Moms podcast, and really they encourage us to keep going too. Just click review, select ratings and reviews, and write a review, and then let us know what you love about the podcast. We thank you so much in advance. We really love your reviews. They are so encouraging to us. For example, the Barellas recently said, I'm so excited for the new Million Praying Moms podcast. Brooke and Erin always do a great job encouraging me to keep keeping on as a mom. They are real and brave the topics that we are all facing, but many are not talking about. If you want to be a part of this fun and brave team of moms giving it their all, then this is the podcast for you. Wow, Erin, I feel like we have a little bit to live up to now, right? I know. I know. That's... It's really generous. Yes, that's the word I was thinking of too. It's very generous. Thank you so much for the kind words, Barella family. We appreciate you so much. Today's episode is for all of the moms of teenagers (laughs) out there. (laughs) Well, actually, it's for the moms of teens and moms of tweens because tween moms... The teenage years are coming and you're going to want to be prepared. Yes. So Erin, you and I both have teens in our homes um, nowadays. So mine is going to be 14 in just a few days, which doesn't seem possible. Mm -hmm. And your oldest just turned 13. So I was thinking this morning about how I would describe the teenage years so far, you know, like just trying to come up with an analogy um, based on my whopping 12 months of experience in the, <laughs> in the area. And I think the best way that I can is to paint a picture for you. Have you ever put like a piece of cotton in your ears? Yes. Okay. So maybe like to help you sleep. Like sometimes when I travel, I take cotton with me to put it in my ears when I sleep to block out noise. Or sometimes like in our family, we might put a, like if we have a an earache or something, we might put an essential oil on a piece of cotton for, for that or something like that. There's all kinds of different reasons that you could put cotton in your ear. But the question is this, what happens to your ability to hear when you put a piece of cotton in your ears? Well, I would say you can still hear, like it's not totally soundproof, but things are pretty muffled. Like you can't hear as well as you would without the cotton in your ears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know that was rocket science, right? But that's yeah. exactly the point I was trying to make. I think that is what the teenage years have been like for us so far. Okay. So I think I know where you're going, but 
and I think I agree, but maybe a little more explanation <laughs> in case nobody's tracking with us. <laughs> That's fine. So, okay. When my boys were really, really young, motherhood was kind of a sweaty job for me, right? We had these super active boys and I, I felt like all I did was chase them around everywhere, regardless of whether or not I had actually taken a shower before going somewhere. I felt like I needed another one when we got there. <laughs> so yep. just getting yep. them somewhere was this, you know, major act of Congress. Right. And I know that some of you with younger children can relate to that. But now that my children are older, the way I interact with them is very different. It's it's less physical and maybe more emotional, intellectual, and even spiritual. And there are so many things in the world vying for their attention that I feel like they have cotton balls in their ears all the time because sometimes my voice is muffled because of all the other ones that they're hearing. Ah, I see. I see. That is a great analogy, Brooke. And one of the things we've always tried to do in our home is keep the lines of communication open. But I know that as our children get older, there will be a lot more voices out there trying to steal their attention. We are already experiencing that with a tween and a teen and a younger one too. But, um, you know, some of those voices that they're hearing are good and some are not so good. And that's why it's really important to us to build a firm, strong relationship with our kids when they're young and learn ways to communicate with them effectively as they get older. In today's episode, we're sharing tips for just that, how to promote healthy communication with your teens. But remember, this isn't just for moms of teens. It's for those who are on their way to the teenage years as well, which is basically all of us. Erin, before we jump in, let's share a bit about Million Praying Moms founding membership. Ooh, I'm so excited about this. Founding membership is available only to the first 1,000 moms to respond and includes the summer 2019 edition of Pray the Word Journal, where we are praying through the book of Psalms. And a new edition of the journal each quarter will arrive to you as well. You'll also get a beautiful Million Praying Moms decal that be can be used on your favorite mug, uh, laptop, on your car, and a beautiful five by seven frameable art piece to remind you that you are one in a million. Uniquely designed by God for his purposes and so much more together than we could ever be alone. I love that picture so much. The summer 2019 edition of Pray the Word Journal takes us on a prayer journey through the book of Psalms, and I think it's perfect timing for summertime. If you need a clean slate, a fresh start, or just to refocus your worship on the things of God this summer, which I know is something I'm really looking forward to, this edition is perfect for you. You can pre-order it now at PrayTheWordJournal.com. Pray the Word Journal is the prayer journal for busy moms and has helped moms from all walks of life, like Brooke and I and many, many others, make prayer a practical priority. Go ahead and pre-order yours today at PrayTheWordJournal.com. Okay, Erin, let's dive into our show for today. And we have the perfect guest for today's show. Gina Smith, our boy mom mentor at Million Praying Moms, author of Grace Gifts, Practical Ways to Help Your Children Understand God's Grace, and mother of two grown children, one boy who is getting married this weekend, yay, and one girl who has been married just about one year. And Gina is talking to us about tips for maintaining healthy communication with our teens. Gina, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank hey. you. I'm so grateful to be able to share a little bit. Yes, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. 
Okay. Um, well, my daughter's been married oh, almost a year and a year to the day um, from her wedding, my son will be getting married, which is this Saturday. So wow, busy. That makes, you know, remembering anniversaries pretty easy. I like, I think that might be cheating. <laughs> uh, we have anniversary. We have my daughter's anniversary. We have my daughter's birthday. We have my son's will be his anniversary and my husband's birthday all in like a week. <laughs> <laughs> you are jam packing it in. One big party. Um, yeah. So, um, but so, you know, obviously my children are out of the house now and my husband and I are settling into empty nest and actually kind of enjoying it. Although I miss my kids being under my, my roof, <laughs> but um, it's opening up new doors for ministry and uh, using our home to serve others. So it's an exciting time, but we've been married 31 years and I've uh, been parents for 29 years and we've been in, in some kind of ministry to college students or young couples uh, that whole time. So yeah, that's who we are. Awesome. You guys are so fascinating. I love watching about your family and just really have personally benefited from your wisdom and, and your knowledge about raising kids and just your relationship with the Lord is so strong and true. And we just appreciate you, Gina. And I wanted to let you know that up front. And I, I'm excited today to be able to share that with our listeners because you just bring so much to the table. So since your children are grown, I would really love for you to talk to us about the seasons of communication in motherhood. Um, you know, when they're very young, a lot like when they're babies, the communication is very primal, right? Like they cry, we pick them up, we feed them, that we change their diaper. But but that all changes as we go through seasons of motherhood and it looks different. As you look back, how do you see that the way you communicated with your children changed over time? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, when I, when I first started thinking about that question, I came up with some answers, you know, that sounded good. And then God completely changed those answers, um, as I was praying over it. And, uh, and I love the way he does that. He just reminds me of who he is and, uh, what he's done. And so I feel like the foundation really was laid, uh, before I had children. Um, on how to do this. Okay. And I didn't do it perfectly, but I, I had a lady uh, who mentored me in college. Whenever I was with her, um, when we would say goodbye, she would say to me, um, you are so precious. And she was so genuine. And, and I had never had anyone say that to me before. And that made such an impact on me and even watching her with her family. And so um, with that in mind and then as we started to have, you know, have our children, um, I became just so intent on um, figuring out, like, you know what, when you look around in a lot of families, unfortunately, even in the church, you can see the way it's not supposed to be, you know, because there's a lot of broken families and there's a lot of hurt, heartache and, you know, and even some of my own experience growing up, I just... Um, kept thinking, I remember even thinking growing up that this is not the way it's supposed to be. And I've kind of, I'm that kind of person that when I get that, that phrase in my brain, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I, I become obsessed with figuring out the way it's supposed to be. So, and of course go to scripture, right. And figure out from scripture, 
but then God has put examples in my life of, of what he want, wants for families, but also specifically what he wanted for our family. And um, uh, when I listened to the podcast of The God Dare, mm-hmm. it came to my mind, God said to me, I felt him saying, this was your God Dare um, of what he wanted to do in our family. So um, from the beginning, um, God gave me a desire and a vision for what he wanted for our family to look like and what he wanted and, you know, combined with my desire, what our relationship should look like with our children. And so from the time they were babies, I knew that I wanted them to know that they were heard, that they were seen, that their thoughts were valid, that they were precious people, that they were capable people. Um, you know, God had given them, um, gifts and abilities and that, that they, they were capable, that they are valued, that we cared about them and what they thought and that they were respected as people. And so from the beginning, even when they were babies, we've looked for ways to pursue them in this way. So it's looked different from season to season, but that was the goal. So you can make a two-year-old feel valued, you know, but obviously in a different way that you would a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. So well, this is um, with the example of my friend who used to say you are precious. That, that was so impactful to me, that word, when I was in college. So um, when I was rocking my newborns, and you guys probably did the same thing, rocking my newborn, I would whisper in their ear, you're precious, you are precious, you are so, I just remember saying that over and over and mm-hmm. over to them as they were growing up, saying that to, that to them throughout the day. And then you know, as they would go off to soccer practice or to volleyball practice or go off to youth group, we always said goodbye, had a, gave, a, gave them a hug and I would say to them, you're precious, you are precious. And then, and so now what's so cool that God has done, now they're both adults, whenever we're together, I mean, even if we're at church and my son comes over to me, he's going to go out to lunch with friends. He comes over, he gives me a hug goodbye, he says, I love you, mom, you're precious. Mm, that is so sweet. I, come full circle because that was something God put in my heart, put in our heart that we wanted that message. And so I think um, having this vision from the beginning, knowing what we wanted our children to experience and feel, um, and then looking for ways to pursue them in that way in every season. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah. I love that, Gina. I think that's really important that it's, it's not necessarily um, a one size fits all for all moms. Like God laid that word, you're precious, that phrase um, on your heart early on because of an experience you had. And he did that on purpose because your children needed that from you. That's, you know, that's what we call being a student of your children, right? Like parenting is not one size fits all. It is really knowing your child, understanding your child and giving them what their heart needs in any given situation. So I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, uh, you know, that God early on when our, when I was still rocking our firstborn, the Lord, um, gave me the verses from, I believe it's numbers chapter six, where it says the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. And, um, that, that verse and give you peace, uh, lift up his countenance upon you, I think is in there as well. And so 
I began to pray that over my children when they were like, when I would lay them um, in the crib at night and I continued it on with our second born. And I just, that became kind of their special prayer. So like even today at 12 and almost 14, if I don't pray their special prayer before they go to bed, then they'll ask for it. Like they'll be like, mom, you didn't say your special prayer. And my husband has a special prayer for them as well. And it's different, but like God puts things on our hearts as moms that are just a part of what he's doing in our lives that we can use with our kids to develop relationship with them. And, and those things are not accidents. And I think that's a beautiful story of how God used something in your life. And then now has brought it kind of full circle with your kids uh, because it has been a relationship builder. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I was going to say, Oh, go ahead. It, it's interesting too. Like as they got older, um, the, the words built the, so like you're precious. Um, you know, I love you. You're precious. You know, like these words, these, these phrases would build. And so they, like your sons, they wanted me to say it before bed. Well, got, the list got so long that we just started saying all the things. <laughs> so now it's kind of the joke when we, you know, sometimes we'll say, see you later, all the things. And they know the list of, of all the things that, that we used to say before they went to bed. So, yeah. I like that you had a list of what was important to communicate to your children and that it was based off of scripture and off what is true. And I think that's a really important thing for personalizing communication in your family as well, is that you know what your children want to know from you. Um, and, and have that written down. It's kind of almost like an action plan or a, or a mission statement of, these are the things I want my kids to know and believe um, is true. And how will I communicate that to them? And if you don't know what those are, you're not going to be communicating it intentionally to them. You have to have a plan and a, um, kind of a mission for communication within your family. And you listed off that great list of things that you wanted them to know from you. And then you communicated that. And like you said, it looks different over the years, but you knew that whatever their age, they needed to know this from you. I almost feel like it would be a great exercise for everybody listening. And I'm, I'm lumping myself into that category yeah. as well. Just like take a second over the summer and make a list. Ask yourself, when my kids leave my home, what are the top 10 things that I want them to know that they know that they know? Like, absolutely true. And let it be things that you have control over because there's, you know, all of us want things that, you know, all of us want our children to know the Lord. Well, that's not completely up to us, right? We get to partner with the Lord in that, but he's the one who changes hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. Think about it from the perspective of what am I saying to my children that I want them to know that I feel about them. And that is one that you're precious that you're valuable to me, that, that you're worth whatever struggle I had to go through. Like I'm just listing some of the things that I think I would add to that list. I think it's a great exercise for us as moms as we're going into the maybe sometimes quieter months of summer to really reflect on that. Mm, yes, yes. All right, so let's get to this teenager stage that we are all excited to be a part of. 
Um, Gina, what do you think are the most important things for a mom to remember as she tries to keep the lines of communication open with her teens? What does she need to know about herself and what does she need to know about her teens? What are those keys to keeping the lines of communication open? Well, okay. So the most important things to remember to keep the lines of communication over, uh, open, um, well, I think it is so important that we remember that they, that our children are people and they're individuals. Um, it's so easy to, to kind of get stuck in parenting mode or, you know, correction mode, um, that we forget that we can forget that they are people, um, little individuals or teenage individuals. Um, and with that in mind, um, we need to just be in prayer. <laughs> I mean, pray and pray and pray and pray and pray for God to help us to see the ways that we can help our children to know that they are heard, seen, you know, that their thoughts are valid, that they are precious people, that they are capable, all of those things. We need to pray for the opportunities to be seen. And I think that a key verse is, um, for me anyway, is Matthew, in Matthew 7, 12, it says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. And I think that the bottom line really is, how do I communicate to my kids? Well, how do I want others to communicate with me? How do I want to be treated? How do I want to be spoken to? Um, uh, how does God relate to me and how does he treat me? Um, even in my immaturity or as I'm growing up spiritually, how is he towards me? He is patient. He is loving. He is kind. Um, so like I said, God is not always in correction mode. He is not always in instruction mode. He is, we have a relationship with him. So I think really, really um, studying the word and knowing, seeing how does God communicate with us and then asking him to show you how to do that with your children. And um, so I guess one thing I remember very specifically with, especially one child, um, is that if they would have a bad attitude or they were grumpy, you know, or uh, whatever going through the day, um, our first response to that or a reaction, a fleshly reaction to that would be maybe to want to uh, send them to their room or <laughs> be in a separate room or kind of push them away because they're getting on our nerves or we're irritated with them. And so the, the phrase, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, do the opposite of what you feel. So when they are pushing you away or if they are in a bad mood, rather than, than allowing them to push themselves away, push you away or to separate yourself with them, move towards them. Um, make sh say I love you. There were times when one of my children, especially, would have maybe a bad attitude or was grumpy or whatever, and they would be stomping down the hall um, to go to their room. I would gently grab their arm and pull them towards me and tell them I love them and ask them how I can encourage them today or whatever it was. I would try to be intentional in pulling them in rather than pushing them away even when I felt like I wanted to push them away and that made a difference not only in their heart but in my heart as well so um, I think that's a big thing I love um, that Gina that's that is I think very important because when our children are 
acting that way toward us, I think sometimes what happens in, in us is that we feel abused by that, right? We know that we just are trying to do the right things for them, but they can't see it that way um, at that time, or, or maybe they can and they just don't want to, depending on their age. But we have a, a, this feeling that rises up that we feel abused and that, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when somebody is abusing me, my gut reaction is not to want to go be with them, right? I want to run away from them when they're abusing me and get away from them. But that's not how God treats us. And I think that's the point you're making. It was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. And if we can keep that peace in mind, like I know there were so many times when one of my sons would be acting exactly like what you just described. And I would get down. This was when he was really little. Um, I would get down on his level, look him in the eyes. And sometimes I would even grab his face, like, you know, not hurt him, but just, just keep him looking right at me and say, I love you. There is nothing that you can do that will make me not love you. And almost without exception, when I got down on his level and touched him, this particular child really loves physical touch. Um, If I would start to rub his back or whatever, I could just see him start to soften. It really is, you know, kind words really do turn away wrath. Like we can actually put these biblical concepts into work in our parenting and they work. Yeah. Yeah, And even with my I, one of my children in, in the older stages, cause I have a tween and a teen, but even when he was younger, he needed that same thing. He needed the physical touch to get calmed down, to hear me, to change the mood around. And it, it was not a mean physical touch in any way. It was a hug. It was a, like, I need, I need to be right with you and right here. And sometimes they're resistant to that at first. And then they realize, you know, okay, this is helping me calm down. And this is helping me hear mom better. And we had a moment just like that yesterday where somebody was being really crabby. And I just went over and did a big, huge bear hug until they started laughing. And it changed the whole mood around. Like we were on a downward spiral of crabbiness and that is not good news for communication with a tween or a teen. And I just had that moment of like, don't get mad, just get in there and hug on him until he starts laughing. And it changed everything around. I didn't have to yell. Like nobody ended up being mad at each other. And the rest of the night was like a different night. Like I I can't even describe how it would have been different. And sometimes communication ends up being better because of moments like that. Mm-hmm. And you don't know unless you know your kid and you yeah. know that that's, that's going to work with them. Yeah. yeah. While we're on the topic of confessing those things, like I had an argument with my older son this morning, this morning we had a, a, a doozy of a, of a fight and um, he and his dad were leaving to go get haircuts and I was not happy with him. Like, I just, you know, I felt that I felt a little bit abused. I felt like I am not the one that's wrong here. And I just felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to go outside and walk out on our back porch and motion him to come back to me. He was already in the car getting ready to leave because they had to go. And so I motioned for him to come back to me and I, I kind of, you know, brought him in for a good hug, a big, good squeeze. And I said, I love you no matter what I love you. 
And then he went on with his dad. And when he got home a few minutes ago, the first thing he did was come in and hug me and say, I'm sorry, mom. Like you really can do so much with the right words and gentleness and kindness with your kids. Yeah. And on the flip side, I do have to, I will say that, um, you know, the times I've lost it, you know, that um, I can remember one specific time when we were, uh, we, I was actually with my son, I was doing math with my son when he was in high school and math was his worst enemy and um, he was fighting it and I was frustrated and we were, and you know, I, I could not get him to do the, the, the lesson and I was so frustrated and I looked at him and I looked at his math book and I picked up the math book and I flung it across the room <laughs> and, and you know, all that did was make it even worse. And then, you know, he has the whole mom threw my math book across the room today, dad, you know, story. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when we react in the flesh, it, it really does not only make things worse, but it creates distance um, in our relationship with our kids. All right. So that's all super great information about what we need to know about our teens. What does the mom need to know about herself? in communicating with them? Um, okay. That's a really good question. Um, and that took me uh, some time to think through and pray over, uh, to get somewhat of an answer, but God always, you know, just brought me back to that. We as moms from the beginning till, well, I guess we're always going to be moms, (laughs) um, that we need to know and remember that our greatest need is to be at the feet of Jesus um, and in prayer and in the word. And that is what enables us to be tuned in uh, to our children. And that is what enables us to hear him direct us to know how to relate to them in the way that he relates to us. Um, I think that's that's just really, that's why I love Million Praying Moms. You know, it, that's where it begins. That's our greatest need is to be at the feet of Jesus. Um, and then you said, what does, what do I need to know about my teens? Um, their greatest need, their greatest need is to hear and receive the gospel and to grow in their dependence in, on, um, you know, in a relationship with Jesus. And with that in mind, um, we can give them a glimpse of Jesus and how he relates to us by how we relate to them. And I think that's so important. Um, and that we, that I think it's important that we um, let them know um, and that we remember that we're in this battle together, that we're in the battle with the world, the flesh and the devil. And so are our children and we're doing this together. Um, and so that we're on the same team. Yeah. We're fighting for them. We always, yeah, that's been a a mantra around here for a long time is we're fighting for them, not against them. And I feel like we could really sum up the most important things in these two things. Cause I'm hearing it over and over again from all three of us is we need to be a student of the word and we need to be a student of our child. And those things make all the difference in communicating with them at whatever age and stage they're at, but especially as they, enter these tween and teen years and they're really showing their personality and their um, giftings and every little part of who God has made them to be. Like there's a lot to know about our kids. And if we're not studying them, we're going to miss out on how 
to communicate with them best. Yeah. 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 That's so good. Well, Gina, we always like to try to get very practical to, to give some practical giveaways to our listeners. So if you can give us some useful, practical tips for communicating with your teens in a way that shows love to them, but also that still respects our place of authority, your place of authority as a mom over them. Because I think maybe that might be the hardest thing for me. I feel like I can't get that mix quite right. Like I'm either, I'm either catering to them too much, um, you know, or I'm trying to, you know, assert my authority too much. Like it, it, I end up on one or the other and not always in the right place in between. So help us understand some ways that we can do that more effectively. Alrighty. Well, well, this, this picture came to mind as I was praying over this question and this, this has, has impacted me, uh, for years. Um, there was a time my daughter was a baby and a friend of mine was going through a really, really difficult time. And she said at one point she was sitting, uh, it was actually in the hospital because her husband was, was having some tests run and had some really serious issues going on. She was sitting in the hospital, um, watching the, um, you know, the nurses and doctors or whatever, they were all around his bed and they were trying to figure out what was wrong with him and they were running tests and they were shouting orders and the nurses would go by her and tell her to sit down and, you know, and she's sitting on this bed in tears while they're running around. The whole, everybody's all running around and one of the doctors comes over and he sits down next to her and she said, it's like she was in this bubble of, you know, fear and <laughs> grief and whatever else, anxiety, she was in this bubble. And she said, this doctor stepped out of the crowd, came over. And it's like, he unzipped the bubble, stepped in, zipped it back up and sat down with her and entered into her suffering, into her world. And that, that visual has impacted me uh, the most as a mom, that um, we need to be intentional to step into their world bubble, you know, and sit down with them. Now, practical ways to do that. Um, um, like I said, be intentional, treat them the way that we want to be treated. So for example, I really think respect, being respectful for, to them as people. Um, so uh, I'll give a couple of examples. I was uh, talking to a young mom and she had a daughter a little daughter was probably like three or four years old and she was sitting there with a handheld game one of the I don't even know she was playing a game probably on her uh, iPad or something to, and while we talked then it was time to go and the little girl was focused in on this game the mom said well it's time to go now she took the game out of the little girl's hand the little girl started crying and started throwing a fit and then she got rebuked for throwing a fit you know and then they left and in my heart I was thinking and the mom says, I don't know what's wrong with her. She never throws these fit. And, and I, I understand where the mom is coming from. And I wanted to say, well, she was in the middle of a game and you just grabbed it out of her hand. I'd be frustrated too if you, yeah. you know, grabbed it out of my hand. And I think that as moms, we can sometimes just be in this, this way of, of we're in our schedule that we forget we're dealing with people. And so as an adult, as my kids got older, you know, in, I guess in a, a similar fashion, it's like, 
I was out in the kitchen and one of my kids was in the back and I needed to come do something or needed to talk to them rather than saying, come here now, you know, interrupting what they were doing. I would say, uh, you know, Brianna, I need to ask you a question. When you come to a breaking point, could you come out so that I could talk to you? So that, cause I, I, I think that just causes, we can cause so much frustration um, that will push them away from us. Um, if we're not thinking of them as people and showing them respect um, in the way we interact with them. Um, so, you know, making respectful requests. Um, and then again, I feel that, I feel it's really important that I say, we're not gonna be perfect at this. And so that's where, um, I, as my kids were growing up, occasionally, uh, every couple months, I guess, maybe sometimes sooner, sometimes more often, sometimes not, but I would just sit down with them and I say, oh, is there anything that we're doing that's causing you frustration? Is there anything that we've said that has hurt you? You know, just so that we could evaluate and see. And there's sometimes they would say, no, you're fine. Sometimes there were things they would bring up and we were like, whoa, <laughs> you know, we didn't mean to say that or we didn't mean it that way. Um, and so we were able to clarify and move forward. And so um, I just really feel like, is that, are those good practical? Yeah, those are, those are great. I, as you were talking, I was thinking about something that I've always tried to do in our home. And I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, we're not always, we're not ever going to be perfect about this because I was going to say, I, it doesn't work perfectly, but it is something that I have seen some fruit from in our home. And that is like, if I need, if we need to go, if like, if we have to go to baseball practice, which is a standard thing in our home in this season, um, I will say to my children, Hey guys, I'm going to need you to start getting ready for baseball in 15 minutes. It doesn't, I'm not going to them and saying, Hey, we have to go now. Like you should have known you needed to get ready. I'm trying They're They're, you know, I have the tween and the teenager as well. They're engaged in other things. They're aware, uh, very aware of what's happening around them in such a way that oftentimes it distracts them from being able to keep on target with what I need them to do. So it's, it's just a kindness that I can offer them that says, hey, I need you to stop what you're doing. You've got 15 minutes. And then I might come at 10 minutes and say, hey, guys, just a reminder, you've got 10 minutes. Or, you know, and then even again in five minutes. And then if they don't respond at that point, then I might say, hey, guys, I need you now. I've got to have you right now getting ready. But I try to offer them a little bit of a heads up. And there are times when I can't do that, right? Like there's times when I, all moms, we just need our children to do what we say right now. Sometimes it could be a safety yep. issue. It could be any, any reason. There are reasons that we need them to respond right now. But anytime we can offer a kindness like that, I think it's, it's just humanizing to them to say, I care about you. I see you. I know that this matters to you. I need you to, you know, move in this direction, but I'm going to give you the time that you need. Yeah. yeah. I remember growing up as a teenager that one of the things that I felt respected, but also reminded that my parents were still in authority over me and helped our communication is the older I got, the more involved I was in decision-making about things like curfew, about things like, you know, even like trip ideas, you know, just whatever it may be. Um, and our job as parents is to help guide them toward independence because they're not going to be under our roof forever. And, uh, 
I remember that from growing up when they would ask me, well, what do you think your curfew should be? And let's talk about it. And ultimately it was their decision, but I felt like I had somewhat of a say in it and that I was respected and being heard. Even if I didn't get exactly what I wanted, at least they wanted to know my thoughts on it. And we are doing that with our children as well. And for instance, we had them write us, um, persuasive essays, which they've done in class uh, and quite enjoyed. So we knew that they would have fun with this about what their summer bedtime should be. And first of all, they were hilarious, um, which was really fun. But also they got a chance to say, this is why I think I should get to stay up till this time. And then we got to have a conversation about it. And like, we did not take the seven-year-old suggestion that he stay up till 10 (laughs) o'clock, but with the old, you know, he had, he had some lofty ideas, but with the older ones, they had good reasonings and we came to a compromise on it. And it was a really healthy way to say, we're in charge. We set the boundaries, but let's talk about why you feel that way and what you think. And we are trying to do that more and more as they grow up because they need to make decisions for themselves eventually. And we need to give them both training in that and show that we respect them and we trust them until something were to happen. Let's give them that option. And it really helps with communication in our house. Erin, that is a fantastic exercise. I was just thinking there are any number of things right now that my children are trying to persuade me that they need, that I'm not 100% sure that they need. And so, uh, you know, not only is that giving them a chance to have their voice be heard, but you're also giving them an opportunity to to really think deeply about why they want something and learn to come up with a good argument. We currently have a two-page handwritten persuasive essay um, on our nightstand from the oldest about why he should have a phone. (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) And I have to tell you, he has very, very well-researched and well-thought-out arguments, and we weren't considering it at all before, and it's still probably a no for now, but we do know what he thinks and how he plans to use it, and we can hold that wit against him if, when, if and when he gets one and right. say, this is what you said when you got it, and we're going to stick with that. So it yeah. is. For all of you that have tweens and teens that like to argue, tell them to put it in writing and in a well-thought-out way, and you can go from there without having to verbally argue it out the whole time. That is just so brilliant. and It's really nice, too, because you know, as a writer – a lot of times I will, I will, if I feel really upset about something or really, you know, like I journal, I I will journal it and get all my feelings out on paper and probably never do anything with that. Right. Like I, a lot of times I've even written something out like a letter to somebody and then burn it or something, but it just helps me to process my feelings on something. So you're not only teaching them, you know, all the things that we've already mentioned, but you're also kind of taking some of the emotion out of it. And I really like that tip as well. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up today, Gina, um, we like to always finish our podcast with um, a focus back on prayer. And so we would love for you to share with us one verse or passage from the Bible that you're praying for your children in this particular season of your motherhood, which is with adult children now. I think that'll really be a blessing to other moms that have the older kids to know what you're praying for your adult children right now? Mm. Uh, That's a great, that's a great question. Um, 
because God gave me a verse, a couple of verses on my daughter's wedding day. Uh, I will never forget this. I was, uh, everybody, all the girls were meeting at our house, you know, to do the hair and the makeup and the whatever. And so we were, we were up and I set out breakfast and for everybody and we were, all the busyness was going on and I was doing really well. And at one point I started to feel emotional. And so um, I didn't want that to start my day off especially because my makeup was done. So I, I went back to my room and shut the door and I opened up um, the word in, in the Psalm 107. And God gave me these verses and it was cool because um, during the wedding ceremony, they had asked for each parent to pray, to, to say a prayer over them after, after, the, you know, after the sermon and everything. So this ended up being um, my prayer for them um on their wedding day and it's my prayer for both of my children now that they're getting married and starting their own you know in their own homes and in their own families now um it's a psalm 107 um 29 through 32 and it says um let them thank the lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly. And so my prayer is that, Father, that they would see and remember your steadfast love and your wondrous works, and that they will extol you and praise you. That all, all that God has done up until now in their lives, and even in providing amazingly godly spouses, that they would not forget, that they would remember that and give you, you know, remember God's steadfast love and how he has worked and that, that he would, that they would praise him um, as they're going into their marriages and that they would be able to see God's love and wondrous works in their marriages. So that's the prayer I'm praying for my children right now in my season of life. That is absolutely beautiful, Gina. Thank you so much. It kind of gave me chills as you were praying for it. I love hearing about what our guests are praying for their kids. It's so inspiring to me and it helps me to think about things from a different perspective than what's going on in my own life. Well, that's it for today, friends. Gina, thank you so much for joining us today. I would love for you to tell our listeners now where they can learn more about you. And as always, they'll be able to find more about you, uh, learn about where they can get your books, all of that stuff at our show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. But Gina, sign us off and, and tell our listeners where they can learn more about you. Well, um, I, I have um, a website. It's ginalsmith.com. I do a little bit of writing there, but mostly you can find me um, at Million Praying Moms. And then in the, um, the boy well, it was the Boy Raiser Tribe in the um, the Mob Society, the, the the group we have for boy moms. That's where I spend most of my time. So we'd love to have any boy moms join us there. Yes, we are super thankful for your leadership and, and mentorship in that area and for sharing all of your great tips for communicating with your kids today. All right, that's it, friends. Tune in next week for another episode of the Million Praying Moms podcast. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace, and throughout scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. 
I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.